Building an audience and monetizing your content are the two ultimate goals of every content creator. So that's why we're going to be talking about how do we do those two things on this episode of Ditch the Job. We are joined by an entrepreneur, editor, and voice actor who is based in New York City. He's the co-founder and editor of BarBend.com, which is a media brand that provides multi-platform coverage of news, analysis, training, and opinion in strength, training, and sports. He is also a Forbes 30 under 30 list maker for media. Our guest who joins us for this episode is none other than David Tao. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. David, I'm so happy to have you on Ditch the Job. And I feel like there are so many people who think about, like a lot of people think about the audience first and building that, and then they think about the money. So I'm wondering in this whole scheme of content creation, content marketing, monetization, which one would you say is the most important thing for us to focus on first? Well, I think building the audience and it's, it's what we focus on at Barbend. Um, a passionate, engaged audience is a platform that a lot of different monetization strategies can be built upon. I think you're seeing that more and more these days. Uh, someone was telling me, or I was reading a, a tweet recently where someone talked about how, you know, 20 years ago, you had to build an e-commerce presence. And then 10 years ago, it was selling directly to the consumer. And now it's selling directly to your existing audience, or at least it will be moving forward. So I think building that audience and creating a lot of really good value that they want to get from you uh, is a great springboard to all sorts of different monetization strategies, be it um, on-site advertising, direct-to-consumer e-commerce, sponsored content, that kind of advertising, you name it. And it's interesting you go with the build the audience route first, because I feel like this is one of those things where you could have a whole panel and like people would have different opinions on which one to go first. I mean, I get the having the audience when you are ready to monetize, you've got the people raring to go. Uh, so that's definitely an interesting perspective. I'm wondering what were some of the things that best worked for you for growing an audience? Were you heavy on ad spends? Were you strategic with relationships? What worked best for you? Well, we weren't heavy on ad spend. In fact, we're just organic, right? So we didn't really pay to acquire uh, people to the site. We did a little bit of, we, we experimented a little bit with like sponsored posts on Facebook and Instagram early on in the site's life, uh, life cycle, but it's not really our bread and butter. We focus on a few things, uh, building really good original content. We produce a lot of news. Actually, most of the content we produce over half some on some weeks is news-based. So it's where people get event results and updates on their favorite strength sports and strength training. And in addition, we also leverage relationships like our media partnership with USA Weightlifting, uh, syndication partnerships with other media outlets to really grow the brand relatively quickly. And then SEO is a big component of what we do. It's a big way that people find our content. A lot of what we write is news, but a lot of what we write is also evergreen. So especially our evergreen content uh, keeps driving traffic over time. So I'd say relationships, quality of content, and SEO are kind of the three pillars of our reader or viewer or listener acquisition strategy. And it's interesting how you take an organic approach. And I do feel like a lot of people are on the evergreen uh, bandwagon right now. I feel like um, that's more of a common idea, but I do feel like the news, like news topics is something that people don't cover as much. And I think part of that is because people don't know where to go. Like if you want to cover, like if you're politics, like you've got no problems going on, like you've got news sources all over. So how would you recommend anyone could find like a news item in their industry to talk mm. about? Well, Barbind is in a 
rare position in that we were kind of the first news outlet in our space for strength sports news uh, analysis. There really wasn't a go-to news source for other for other niches. It's a it's a little more complex because oftentimes you're trying to supplant or be a complement to existing news outlets, right? Especially the more general folks like. BuzzFeed's a great example. They started off as, you know, a kind of a listicles website and now news is a big component of what they do and they produce some really, really great stuff. But it took them a while to get there and they spent a lot of money to get there. We're talking raising a lot of money and waiting until the site was really big to make a leapfrog into the more general news competing with the New York Times, Washington Post, NPR, BBC, think places like that. So it's a little different depending on what exists in your niche. If nothing exists in your niche, but you think, that that audience could really engage with news. Hey, maybe start a brand around that. That's really why we started Barbend in the first place. If there is a big player or a number of big players in your niche producing news, it doesn't mean you can't produce it. It just might mean you have a little bit longer until you're going to start to gain traction. Making sure your site is optimized for things like Google automated mobile pages, Facebook instant, making sure you're doing all the right things, your site's mobile responsive and very fast, is going to help people have a better on-site news experience, which is going to help in the long run. You'd be shocked at how many major brands and major news sites aren't really even optimizing how their site works, and they're not mobile first. So people will land on their articles, but have a poor experience and bounce and maybe not come back. And I know that you, we already talked, you know, your focus is on building the audience first and then monetize the audience. And while I do like that approach, I mentioned earlier, one of the big concerns with that is you build an audience and they get used to free content. So Mm -hmm. how do you get your audience to transition from they've been reading all your free content or watching to being that paying customer? Well, it's worth noting that I'm not saying it's out of the question for Barbend, but we don't actually gate any of our content behind a paywall right now. So we don't have paid content. Our content's still free. You might see ads on the content. We work with an ad network just as you'd see ads on pretty much any news outlet, right? Uh, We monetize via some affiliate links on some of our reviews and for relevant products. It's all disclosed and disclaimed, obviously. It's much like what you'd see on a lot of other news outlets that might include affiliate links. Uh, We also monetize through sponsored content. So that's the one that probably changes the user experience the most. When a brand buys a piece of sponsored content, it it is an advertisement for lack of a better word, right? It provides value. We try and make that content worth something and being able to stand on its own two feet. But you know, you can see the piece and you see right at the top, hey, this is in conjunction with or brought to you by XYZ brand, right? People know from the get-go it's an advertisement. In fact, even if you look at an image in that article, it's presented by XYZ brand. So that can change the user experience. I think the key there is you have to produce such good sponsored content, be it written, video, sponsorship on a podcast, that people will still engage with it. It's just that they're going to be a little bit more discerning when it comes what kind of when it comes to what kind of sponsored content they're going to engage with. That piece has to be so good and provide so much value that they still want to engage with it even if a brand is involved. And actually, if you structure it right, they might want to engage with it because a brand is involved because they really like that brand and they think that brand offers something unique and special. And you hit on a really fascinating point. I mean, ads, I mean, the way you make money with ads, like you, you need to have a ton of people viewing and engaging with your content to make something sustainable. But affiliate marketing is something that uh, you, know, you can make that sustainable even yeah. with a relatively small audience, sponsored posts. Uh, that's kind of like in between because 
you need a big audience to get them, but then they can become sustainable. But you mentioned something I want to go on, uh, making the ad or the sponsored post enjoyable for yeah. the reader. Like, How do you, you work with the person or you do a blurb yourself? How do you make that enjoyable experience with the brand sponsor? I think it depends a lot on how you set that up. So we are very much, I mean, different brands do it differently. We're very much on uh, in the realm of when we work with a brand, we're producing the content. They are involved, but it's us producing it. You're not just buying placement on Barbed and giving us an article, right? Because it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be in our voice. And, and honestly, we don't think our readers are going to like it as much, right? So we're still producing the content. We're still producing really high quality content. It's just through the lens of the brand or in partnership with the brand, right? It's using their product or their service as maybe an example or as a highlighted feature of an article that we think you might enjoy reading on Barbend even if it weren't sponsored. So I think that's a really key thing to keep in mind with our approach to sponsored content. Different brands do it differently. Different brands um, will focus a little less heavily on producing that content themselves and more on just adapting what the sponsor provides them. I can't speak to other outlets actually sometimes tend to enjoy are the ads where it's the host saying something funny or giving a personal anecdote, or it's just them really giving insight into that product, that service, that ad. It's clear they're not just reading something that a marketing exec gave them, or if they are, they're putting a funny spin on it, right? Adam Carolla does this sometimes. He'll put like a funny spin on the ad. And I, when I listen to his podcast, I remember the ads or uh, Adam Carolla and uh, Norm MacDonald. Actually, I, Norm MacDonald, I think is the king of this. Norm MacDonald will read an ad or he'll put his own spin on an ad. And even if he doesn't sound enthusiastic about it, it's funny how unenthusiastic it is or he is. And it makes me remember that, right? Because he's really putting it in the realm of his style of humor. And I think that's true for any podcast. So if it's coming through in an authentic way and it's still in this, the voice and humor of the host and the podcast, people are going to remember it a lot more. And the delivery of the ad is just as important as the script you follow, just as important as what needs to be said in the ad. And uh, I think that's a really great point because uh, one of the things I try to do on all my shows is, you know, deliver the ads in an engaging way. So I'm definitely going to be listening to those people to just kind of learn even more because I feel like as a content creator, you're always a student of the game and just trying to learn from other people. And I mean, that's why we love having people like David on the show to share with us how we build our audiences, how we monetize. There are a lot of people here who may still have a job and they're trying to ditch, hence the name ditch the job. So uh, what do you recommend people to start doing if they don't have a lot of time? I know you emphasize build the audience. I wonder if you have any actionable insights in there. Yeah, I think one thing that can be really relevant is if you're trying to make a name for yourself in a niche or a small community, it really pays to be a part of that community. So look, you might not have time right now to ditch your job or the resources to ditch your job and start a brand new online media brand. But if you're interested in getting involved in the community and maybe eventually monetizing your involvement in that community, getting a position in that community, starting something in that community, get involved with the community now. Go to events. Uh, talk to, well, we're, we're talking about this in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, go to the virtual events, go to the streaming events via, you know, Zoom or Google Hangouts or, or any other kind of thing like that. Get active with people on forums, leave comments, engage on social media, ask questions, show your support get involved in that community and be part of the authentic conversation when the opportunity arises. And if it arises for you to monetize your involvement, get a position 
at a company in that space or start your own company in that space, it's going to seem much more authentic and you're going to have a much better idea of what people in that community really want. So look, you might not be able to ditch your job and start that, that dream brand right now, but you can start doing your research by being an active participant. And I, I really like the getting in the communities. And I feel like with social media, you could see this. this I, f- I feel like Instagram is the one you see this the most. 100 likes, five comments. So <laughs> being able to really be in a community, uh, it's something that not a lot of people are willing to do. And it's one of those things where, because I like doing this with the podcasting, it's like you, you build it over time. Uh, it, it, it's when it, it skyrockets, like in the long term, but the short term, you're like, man, I'm doing so much of this. So, uh, how can we find the right communities and continue doing it, even though those results may not be big in the short term? I think finding the right communities, I mean, that's the, the million dollar question for, for anyone. And I think you could extrapolate that to life in general. How do I find my community, my sense of belonging? It's such a big question. And it's something that I don't have an answer for. Like I, I love strength sports. I love lifting weights, right? I knew that was a community I wanted to be involved in. Later on, I found it could be a job. We, fe- we started Bar Bend and suddenly it became my job. Don't underestimate the power of a hobby. Don't underestimate the power of a passion. I would have never thought 10 years ago that I'd be a strength sports journalist and I'd be running a strength sports website because those didn't really exist. Never underestimate what a passionate community can really produce as far as results. So I can't tell people how to find that community, but if you have a hobby, if you have a passion, well, maybe you could help grow that community to the point where it could support full-time work or a brand that you start. And I love how you mentioned the word hobby because I feel like everyone who starts online started it as a hobby at some point and then they realized, hey, this thing could actually work for me. And While I feel like that's true for so many people, I still think there are people who maybe they're outside of it and they just think, oh, this is my hobby. I'm not making money from this. So how can we really embrace our hobby and like, oh, this is something we can make money from that and just believe in our ability to do that? Don't be afraid to explore different aspects of the hobby or niche that you're involved in, right? So strength sports, I went from competing in strength sports and training in strength sports and lifting weights to writing about it for other outlets, for outlets that maybe covered it just a little bit here and there. Um, And then I also started working with people. I was a a gym co-owner for a period of time, right? I worked in marketing for a number of brands in the fitness space and in the strength sports space. So don't be afraid to reach out and explore and get involved in different ways, right? A lot of people even find part-time work consulting for brands in the social media space or something like that. So don't be afraid to explore the breadth of your community or niche. And you might even be able to find out exactly where the gaps are that need to be filled and you could be the one to fill them. And David brings up a really great point. Go narrow. Like don't, um, like sports. There's so many parts of sports. It's too big. It's too big. Like if you just do sports as your thing, like ESPN is your competitor. And I don't feel good about competing against ESPN with just like an idea. Now, maybe you're the guy who does it. But again, like if you pick something smaller, like what David's been able to do, more niche, more narrow, that is what allows you to build a community. It's better to have a small but tight-knit community that's really engaged versus having that broader market, but they don't know who you are and they're more attracted to other options. That, I do believe that. 
So, I mean, on this idea of community, I feel like there are people who they do start super narrow, but then they think, okay, let me expand a little bit. I have enough of a community. Is that a good idea? Is that a bad mm. idea? Like there's uh, you know, there's conflicting ideas with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely at Barbend expanded a bit, right? So it's not so much the hardcore strength athlete anymore that can get content at Barbend. It's anyone who, who's interested in strength training, maybe starting that strength journey. Right. I think it's okay to potentially expand after you've grown a bit. I think starting narrow and then the funnel becomes a little bit broader over time. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think you need to be smart about it. And I think you need to approach it from a logical standpoint and really figure out, okay, is this going to broaden and grow my audience or is it going to, going to dilute the quality of my existing content, right? That's what you have to weigh. It's going to be different for everyone. So keep that in mind, but I don't think there's an inherent problem in going a bit broader over time. Yeah, I mean, that's a just to do it gradually. You don't want to overextend, but if it makes sense to expand a little bit, you do attract more of an audience, but you do want to have your audience down first so that you're expanding at the right pace. And I mean, Dave has been able to do that really nicely with um, Barbend, which we will be throwing in the show notes. Would you recommend any other places for us to go to just follow your work and journey? Sure. I mean, Barbend is the best place, barbend.com or at Barbend on social media. Uh, and personally, you can find me at David Thomas Tao on Instagram and at D underscore T-A-O. It's at D underscore Tao on Twitter. Drop me a line. Well, David, we will have all those links in the show notes. Thank you again for joining us on Ditch the Job. It was a pleasure having you here today. Thank you for having me, Mark.